got my nice podium back. <laughs> I'm not a midget today. How are you? Good to see you. Wow, good morning, everybody. I love seeing the tables full, especially on Sweetheart Month. Yeah, thanks for coming. Um, this is Christian Women's Bible Study, and we, the older women teach the younger women to love God, love their husbands, love their children, and um, for the last 65 plus years, February has been Sweetheart Month, so this whole month we'll be talking about marriage. Today will be the topic of marriage in general, from broad to specific, um, and then uh, next week will be the differences between men and women. And then the week after that will be behind the bedroom door. And then the last one, let's see, and then um, communication is one. And then uh, the last one will be love children. So we get five weeks this week, this year. So that's nice. Get an extra love, a little extra love. So um, let's see where to start. You should see my dining room table. I love this topic. And I, there's so much good information from over the years. I have stacks of Naomi stuff, stacks of Carol Jones stuff, stacks of everything, trying to get the best of everything, you know, and just praying that uh, uh, you don't know that God will meet you where you are in your, in your walk, in your marriage. And if you're not married, that's okay too, because you know what? You're older than someone and you can encourage them in their marriage. Maybe it's your daughter. Maybe it's a friend, a neighbor, right? Um, we're the, we're the light. As Christians, we're light of the world, and we need to have the truth and know the truth. So um, I would just like to start with a quick prayer. Dearest Jesus, I thank you so much that you care about us. You're a great and holy God, Lord, and you care about us. I just pray for this message today. I pray that you would help me to be clear. I pray that you would help to um, encourage women to love you, to love their husbands, Lord. And I just, um, just just pray for open hearts and open ears in Jesus' name, amen. So you know what's amazing about this, this month is that some of us have been sitting through this month for 20, 30, 40 years. I guess we're slow learners, <laughs> right? But I think, you know, life goes on and this message is kind of new every year because you're maybe in a different place than you were last year in your marriage. Um, and so um, we need to tune up sometimes. You know, life happens, things change. And, but you know, who remains the same is God. God remains the same and his word remains the same and his plans and purposes remain the same. So we need to remind ourselves of what those are. And we've been doing our study this year in light of Psalm 119. And uh, we won't be, I have some things to, to share a little bit later, but um, you know, just the whole idea of Psalm 119 is that we are blessed when we love God, when we follow his word, when we obey him. And when we turn away from him, uh, not so much. Right? Last week, we talked about hearing uh, God's voice among all others, meaning how to know when God's speaking. And so um, if you didn't catch that one, please go back and listen, because uh, it's important that we are not just floating around letting different people you know, speak into us when God's word is light, and that's what we need to be. There's all kinds of people who would like to tell us and um, and speak to us about what they think we should be doing, but God knows. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to just start. I found this article. It's by John Piper, and it's called "Staying Married Is Not About Staying in Love." 
And you know, our culture is so enamored with romantic love. And um, you know, the, the extravagance that we put into the wedding day um, kind of loses sight of what's really important, you know? <laughs> I was trying to find a picture last night for the Facebook post for this lesson. And my husband was sitting there. And so I went into Pinterest and I was like, couples in love. And it's like pages of these brides, you know, and the guys holding her this way and that way. I said, Rosie, do the guys like taking those pictures? You know, how he goes, they don't have a choice. I was like, that's kind of what I thought. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, it's a good answer. Yeah, they don't have a choice. So it becomes about other things other than our commitment. It's so far from what God intended. So I just wanted to read through a few quotes uh, from Piper. I thought they were really uh, good, heady things to think about. He said, there, he says, there never has been a generation whose view of marriage is high enough. And that's because we're human, right? And in our culture, we have such a low, casual, take it or leave it attitude toward marriage as to make the biblical vision seem ludicrous to most people. Why would you? How could you? You deserve better. It's a whole lot different uh, message out there. Um, and uh, he kind of, so he kind of starts with the bad news and he says the main idol is self and its main doctrine is autonomy and its central act of worship is being entertained and its two main shrines are the television and the cinema and its most sacred genuflection is the uninhibited acts of sexual intercourse. So, you know, um, what God deems precious, Satan has cheapened and it's a great target place. And, um, so let's see. And then he has some good news. He says, the greatness and glory of marriage is beyond our ability to think or feel without divine revelation and without the illumining and awakening work of the Holy Spirit. Ladies, we're going to talk about a lot of things today. And that's the bottom line is that we can do nothing of ourselves. We can check off the list and we can do some nice things for our guy. Um, those, that's all great but our heart changes and our real love comes from the Holy Spirit. No one can love like he does. It says, he said, the, nat man, oh, excuse me, the natural man does not have the capacities to see or receive or feel the wonder of what God has designed for marriage to be. Marriage is the display of God. It's God's doing and God's glory. Let's look at Genesis 2, 20, 24 together. Can you guys hear me today? Last week you said you couldn't hear me. I don't want you to wait to the end and tell me you couldn't hear me. <laughs> okay. So we remember the story. This is a familiar story. But I think it's important to always read even the familiar stories because we forget. Um, so Adam is in the garden and he's named all the critters. and um, And then... He realized that uh, there was not a helper suitable for him. Speaking up in verse 21, and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept and he took, God took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She called, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. 
So this union is of God. And that's his point here. And I thought it was just a great reminder that we didn't make up marriage, God did. This crazy thing. <laughs> Thank you. And then in uh, Matthew 19, 7, uh, Jesus is referring back to these verses. Um, and he says, the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. This union is, um, it's tight. God intends it for it to be eternal. It's a picture of Christ's relationship with the church. It's to mimic that, it's to display it. I love this sentence, listen to this. Most foundationally, marriage is the doing of God. Most ultimately, marriage is the display of God. Maybe just some real nuggets, I'll give you a couple more out of here. Um, it says, marriage is patterned after Christ's covenant commitment to his church. So a covenant, covenant's not to be broken. Christ obtained the church by his blood and formed a new covenant of an unbreakable marriage. The most ultimate thing we can say about marriage is that it exists for God's glory. And the most ultimate purpose of marriage is to put the covenant relationship of Christ and his church on display. And then he, have you guys, any of you read the book by uh, Gary Thomas called Sacred Marriage? So John Piper goes on um, to quote a few things out of there, but one thing that Gary Thomas says is that it's not about finding a soulmate. If we set out to find a soulmate, that's putting a lot of pressure on another person, right? And his take on it was, that's idolatry. If we're looking for someone, and I think what he's saying there, if, if we're looking for someone to complete us, someone else to make us happy, that's, that's idol, you know, because that's God's job in our life. That's Christ's role in our hearts. And so we can't put that kind of, um, of course, being married, we can have this wonderful soulmate, but it can't be our, our soul end in life. It's a demand that from another person. Okay, well, that's enough. I could read the whole thing. You know, if I can find it, I'll put the link in the, in the resource email this week because I just thought it was so good. So how do we glorify God in our marriage? Okay, as we've said, it's only possible through him, but through the Holy Spirit. The really interesting thing about marriage, it's really a great place. There's no other place like it. There's no other relationship like it where we can walk out our salvation. And that doesn't mean we are saved through our marriage by any stretch. We're saved through belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And accepting his work on the cross. But this idea of walking out our salvation means obeying him and becoming like Christ. You know, being in a relationship that close is going to be a lot of rub. And how we learn to handle that rub, what happens when you put rocks together and you roll them around? They become smooth, right? It knocks all those rough edges off. So that's what marriage can do for us. It can really smooth out the rough edges. It's much more than a feeling. It's a commitment. There's lots of times you're not going to feel like loving your guy. You're not going to feel like you love him. But you can always be committed to him. 
So when you think about your wedding vows, right? To have and to hold, let's talk about what those, those two words mean. So when you have that, that word have, means to take on a new identity. You know, when, when you meet somebody you don't know, I was thinking about that, you know, like the first thing you really usually wanna know is, are you married, right? Is there another part of you, right? And so there's, because there's a new identity and that will define some of who you are. Well, it defines who you are. You, you know, you're a partner, a life partner, a permanent partner, if you're in this covenant with another person. So that defines um, a, a good deal of you. Um, and it means to agree to look out for the care and interest of that spouse. And that word to hold, that's a precious word to hold. We have to hold our spouse like Christ holds us with dignity, with well-being, and to hold them in high esteem. And we're to cleave, we're to leave our folks, we're to leave our mother and father, and we're to cleave to our, our spouse. Let me, like glue, that word cleave, like so tight you can't get it apart, like glued together. And again, what God has joined together through vows, through matrimony, let no man put us in here. Now, we're going to go through um, kind of the roles of men and women and, and talk about um, the, the workings of marriage. But I do want to say um, we're going to be talking about submitting to our husbands and how our roles fit together. This is not a Pollyanna lesson. <laughs> you know, I know that many of us have been hurt, maybe past hurts before marriage or during marriage, or um, there's just a whole lot of things that can make these things seem very hard. And I'm not unaware of those things. And I just want you to know that God is bigger than these things. And though our lives change and though things can be hard, God is still good and his God's, he's, he's can be trusted and his ways are true. And he is a God that's very, very good at working through teaching us to forgive, um, teaching us to seek forgiveness. And that is the very bottom line of being married. If we go into marriage with pride and not willing to work through things and convince that we're right, we're not going to have a very happy marriage. I just want to say that in, in anybody who's struggling, we do have counsel. Um, we have prayer. Um, but I would just encourage you to, um, to not hide things. You know, if you have something you need to share, we have ladies who you can sit with who can encourage you and kind of point you in, in the right direction. Um, okay, so uh, one last verse I wanted to close, I wanted to add into that the have and the hold and the cleave is um, the Song of Solomon, verse uh, chapter two, verse 16. I am his and he is mine. You got your own little culture there, right? It's your own little conduit, you and your husband. I am his and he is mine. There's not room for anything else in a marriage relationship in that capacity. So the God, so God gives us roles for marriage that provide order and protection. I kept adding notes on the side. I can't keep track of myself. Oh, I gotta tell him this. Um, <laughs> so um Let's look at, so the man's role is to be protector, provider, and priest. So his role is both physical and spiritual. He's to protect us on a physical level and on a spiritual level. 
And we, as the women, as the wife, are to be his helper and his supporter. A likely example of being his neck. <laughs> Pretty important to have a neck, isn't it? Right? The head can't do much without the neck. So she's a very vital, vital part. So I want to look at two key passages that go with marriage. Um, just to just to set the context, you know. Again, we're not just giving a list of to-dos and to-don'ts. We're going to have a little fun with it, but um, but there's reason. You know, God has God's given us reason to back these things. So um, in Ephesians five, starting in verse twenty-two. So this is Christ and the church, and it's marriage, right? And I want you to notice when we it's when we start the the verses. It's kind of like a sandwich. The first couple of verses are to the wife and the last one is to the wife and everything else is for the man. Okay, so let's look at that and with that in mind. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church and he is savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now husbands, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her. There's that spiritual clean, that spiritual protection. He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and without blemish. So also, husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. There's that physical part. So he's protecting her body and soul. For we are members of his body, meaning Christ's body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So both those things together make this picture, this mysterious picture of Christ and the church. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. I just <laughs> jumped ahead there. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And in some verses that, that reads, and let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. So I like uh, that the way that one reads because it doesn't say, you know, respect him if he deserves it. Um, it doesn't say he has to live up to your expectations and then, then you can give him respect. It says you see to it. You find, you find a way to respect your guy. So that's on either end of that verse. And the guy has a, has a, has a pretty long list of things there, pretty deep, heavy responsibilities. And then in uh, 1 Corinthians eleven three, I'm going to skip through just a couple of verses here. I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. We get that one turned around, don't we? Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman, but all things are from God. And we were talking last week how Satan kind of likes to leave things out. 
you know, to kind of build his case. You rarely hear that verse quoted, but they need each other. And I just want you to think about, uh, you know, when a couple's first married, they probably know these words, right? But they don't really get it. You can't get it till you live it, right? But if, it, if the young man has any concept of, of the fact that he has to be the protector and the provider and the priest, both physically and spiritually, he knows that he's walking into a big responsibility. And what and because of the curse, right? He's afraid. His a man's biggest fear, the biggest worry is, is his biggest um worry is fear of failure, right? That's a big responsibility. Am I gonna do okay? Am I gonna do all right by her? Am I gonna be able to take care of the family? Will I be able to will we have a home? Will we have a farm? Will we have enough to eat? You know, it's, that's all on his shoulders. And because of the curse, what does she want to do? Of course, she wants him to succeed, but she can't help herself. She wants to control him, and she wants him to do it her way, and she wants it to fit her expectations. So, you know, I think about uh, just when Rosie and I were first married, you know, I I would say things that I know really killed him. I you know, just hurt him so bad because what happens when, when she doubts him? He loses confidence, right? And just think about how maybe a young man has more seems to have more anger or temper or whatever. And it's a reaction to fear. Fear makes people angry. So it can be really intense. It's amazing that anybody makes it through more than a year to a marriage, obviously. <laughs> you come from such different places. And without that covenant, without that commitment, it'd be easy to bail. But God has a bigger picture. And we do grow. If we stick together and stick it out, we grow. And we get the fruits of that growth. So our place is to either, we can either support or sabotage. So how can she support him? Well, I think the most important thing we can do for our guys speak his language. And we just learned what his language was in Ephesians. God knows that we need to respect him. What he hears from us is respect. What he needs to hear from us is respect. We've talked about Shanti Feld, Feldham's books where she pulled, pulled men, you know, took um, surveys. And guys would rather be respected than loved. That's powerful. And women just want to be loved. We don't like to be disrespected either, but we have this, we, we can put up with a lot if we just feel like we're loved, right? So he values that respect. And to continue on that thought, when we disrespect him, it increases his fear. It clips his wings. You know, you know what happens to a little bird when you clip its wings? Have you ever had a pet bird? You have a little pet parakeet. You don't want it to fly away, so you take it and you clip its little, spread its wing out, and you cut them off just a little, just a little bit, just enough to throw them off the filter, and it can't go too far, right? So we, we clip those wings because we want to control it. And we do that to our guys. You know, we don't want them to. Um, they, we want to be our, our best friend. We want to sit around and do what we do and talk the number of words we want to talk. Right? But they're a lot different than us, and we need to respect that in them. When we make him doubt himself, makes him question himself. I guess the question is, ladies, do we want him to succeed? And if we do, we have to learn how to how to support him. And disrespect is the way not to do that. We shut him down. We shut him down when we disrespect him, when we don't follow his lead. Did you know that most men won't fight for leadership? If if he feels like he has to argue with you, and it's not that, you know, if he feels like 
hands up, um, have it your way. Because they don't like to argue with you. And I have heard, and I believe this is true, one reason they don't like to argue with you is because they know where, where they could end up. You know, if they're, if, they're, if they're angry, they know the level of emotion that that can bring out. And they don't want to go there. So just let it go. So how do we know when we're respecting? Well, I think we can ask them. And maybe you don't say that word. Maybe you don't say, do you think I respect you? Find a way to ask him, you know. Um, maybe a situation comes up and you ask him, is it okay how I handled that? Did you feel like I respected your decision? And that doesn't mean that you don't give your opinion. We're going to talk in a couple weeks about communication. You know, how do you talk to someone else? And not just our husbands, but anybody, but especially our guys, because that's those decisions affect when we make a decision as a couple, it affects both of us. So we need to be careful. You know, they need our input. In the beginning, sometimes I don't know that we, they need our input. I really, really, really wish that more young women would come. I would love to have, we've had a couple over the years of women um, who come before they're married. <laughs> you know, and they have a realistic expectation. Uh, we save a lot of grief, you know, and, and to have, um, to be able to, to realize that if this is what I need to do, am I willing to do it with this guy? What do I see in him? You know, to be able to to see that before, I would love to have young women, a young women's class. We can encourage them. Yes, marriage is wonderful, but this is what marriage is. <laughs> so do we really want them to succeed? I think it takes a sound mind to, to be respectful. Because we have so many opinions, don't we? Right? We can always... Think of something to say, and we can think of something to say that's smarter than what he's thinking, and it could really, you know, teach him and make him smarter too. Um, so a sound mind, and that's one of the first things in the Titus two list is we're to have a sound mind. Maybe our expectations are too high, and he's unable to meet them. And I think a lot of times we don't give them the benefit of the doubt. They, they really know what they're talking about. You know, looking back over time uh, at different things in, in our own marriage, there was times I thought I knew better, but I didn't know the whole picture. I was busy with little ones and homeschooling and stuff. I didn't have all the information to make the right decisions. And thankfully he did. Maybe he's hurt you in some way and he hasn't been the leader you wanted to be. And maybe he's not leading because you won't follow. Ladies, following is a gift. You know, we have to put ourselves under submission. A guy can't make you obey. And we are talking about the regular things of life as far as obedience, right? Maybe there's financial decisions that, that have to be made and you can talk about it and work through it, but ultimately, if you have two heads, you're never going to get in. His responsibility for those decisions lays on him. We're not talking about submitting to sin or things that are illegal. I just want to say that out loud. <laughs> um, but in our everyday course of life. Um, maybe he's not going along with your plan. Maybe you had different plans in here. Maybe you had different visions of where you would be or where you would live or what would it look like. Or 
when we talk about this idea in, in Ephesians 5.33 about see to it that you respect your husband, how many of us kind of pull back when we hear that? Yeah, but you don't know. Yeah, but. How many yeah, buts do we hold in our hand? Yeah, but. So even when there's yeah, buts, I wanted to look at Psalm 119 for a second here. We're going to go a little farther back today. There's a little run of verses here, starting at verse 40, uh, 41. So no matter what's going on in life, God's word is still true. It says, let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. So shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. Do we trust God's word? Or do we feel like our way is better? And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in your ordinances. Do we hope in God's word? And that doesn't mean like a hope is true. That means like my confidence. That word hope is a confidence. So I have confidence that God's word's true and it's going to ring true and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be true and it's going to do what it says it's going to do. So when I step out in obedience, even when it hurts, even when it's hard, even when I have those yeah buts, do I trust that God um, will honor that and God can work through that? So shall I keep your law continually forever and ever, and I will walk at liberty for I seek your precepts. I will speak of your testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Ladies, we don't need to be ashamed for um, a marriage that honors God. The world may think we're crazy. We don't need to be ashamed. I would delight myself in your commandments, which I love. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. And what we've talked about all year, just staying close, staying close to me. So let's look at... Um, the foundations of respect. What does respect look like? Well, it's the opposite of pride. And it requires a heart that is soft and humble. It starts with being, when it talks about in um, Titus 2, loving your husband, it talks about being a friendly lover. Are we friendly to our guys? Or does he feel like he's married to his mom? maybe his sister or his teacher or as Carol Mason puts it, director of all things. <laughs> I think that sounds pretty It's pretty funny. I'm in charge of everything. Yeah. Stand back. Stand back. So when we make decisions, you know, are we, do we just go our way? Do we, do, do we make sure that we're seeking what he wants to, not just running over him? You know, ladies, we have so many words we can run right over our guys and throw a tear or two in there. He's done, he's done right? But we should be um, seeking his opinion. I met a sweet lady the other day. She has a, um, an urban farm, and she, she was describing it. Sounds amazing. And we said, can we come and see? She goes, well, my husband's really shy, and he doesn't like company. So I was like, okay, well, the answer's no. But that's good that she knows him and that she wasn't going to run over him just because you know, she, and I'm sure she would love to show it off. It sounds amazing. But no, he doesn't like a lot of company, so no. 
Do we know our guys like that? Do we overrun them at the holidays or overrun them with a schedule or events or things? I know my guy requires a lot of downtime and quiet time. So I have to respect that and honor that. Even if there's something I wanted to do or somebody I wanted to invite over, I, I respect and honor that. We need to do that. Well, and because I would talk back here, I wouldn't say so much. Do we keep short accounts? Do we admit when we're wrong? Is it really hard for you to say, like Fonzie, I'm wrong? You choke on it? Sometimes it's, it's really hard to admit, especially depending on the other person's reaction, but it doesn't matter. Proverbs 16, 2 says, every man is right in his own eyes. That's that pride we carry. Yeah, but I'm right. And sometimes on the inconsequentials, it doesn't matter. You know, learn to learn to understand what's not priority. Understand what's important. I guess good word. Um, and we should forgive. We should practice extravagant and generous forgiveness. I want to look at Matthew six fourteen right here. Yes, if we, we should know this verse, I'm sure most of you do. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive, your, forgive their trespasses. Ladies, that's pretty serious. We can't hold unforgiveness in our heart and expect God to forgive us. He tells us he won't. Now, what does it mean to forgive somebody? Does it mean you say, okay, that was okay? No, it just means you're handing him over to the Lord. It means that he's responsible. Think about that headship. Okay, here's Christ is ahead, then the husband, then the wife, and he's offended you or hurt you, right? So you can try to hold him accountable to your standard, but, but what is our standard? Our standard is based on what we feel, what we think is important. God's standard is perfect, right? And that guy is responsible to Christ. He's under his headship. <laughs> up to us. Not that you shouldn't work through things, right? I'm not saying that. But if we hold on to that unforgiveness, it causes us to be bitter. That root of uh, bitterness grows deep. So to have a clean slate, we have to let go of things and let God be the one that deals with him, not us. It frees us up. We're not holding them accountable to us, they're accountable to the other. That root of bitterness is in Hebrews 12, 16. Root, roots go deep if we don't cut off their water supply. Song of Solomon uh, 2, 15 talks about the little foxes. Has anybody ever read through the Song of Solomon? Do you ever take the time? February is a good month to read the Song of Solomon. Um, but it's, of course, this young couple crazy about each other. And she says, don't let the little foxes get in the way. And those little foxes are the things that irritate, right? And get in between us. And I think one of the best ways to get those little foxes out is just to, to have a generous spirit and to assume the best of intentions. You may not agree with how something's done, but maybe you can get to the point where you could say, I know you meant well. 
I know you're trying to do the right thing. And in, in that keeping of short, uh, short accounts and in forgiveness, um, I told you so is never appropriate for a company. He already knows you told him so. Don't rub it in, he'll, he'll love you for it. Uh, another another thing is to let go of your expectations, especially your unrealistic expectations or expecting him to be like your dad or your brother or your friend or your boyfriend, whatever. And I think part of letting go of those expectations is just um, admiring him, finding things to admire in him. What are his talents? Have you ever told him how cool it is that he can work on that car? Have you ever just told him how strong he is? Thanked him for that? Let him open the jar? When you read through the Song of Solomon, she's looking at his body and talking about all the parts of his body and how strong and wonderful he is. Do you ever do that for your guy? Look for things that you can admire about him. Are you crazy about him? Are you crazy for him? How do you know when someone's crazy about you? No, well, maybe it's the way they look at you, the way they greet you. Maybe it's how they behave when you've done something you mess up. Does your guy think? Did your guy think you're crazy about them? Do you brag about him? Do you brag about him in front of others? Don't you love to hear somebody saying something good about you and they think you're not listening? What do they say? Oh, yeah. Or are you whispering like, oh my gosh, we didn't believe what he did this time. Be crazy about him. Do you thank him? Do you think, thank him even with things you expect him to do? Like take out the trash or whatever it is. Thank him. Thank him for things like going to work every day. <laughs> Did you know the most spiritual thing your husband can do is go to work for you every day? We complain because we want him to stay home and play. But you know what? He'd like to stay home and play. Most of the time, he think that'd be kind of fun. Maybe he feels like he's missing out when he goes to work. You get to stay home with the children. He's got to go out in the work world. Thank him. Thank him for working hard. Thank him for being responsible and bringing home the paycheck. Thank him for doing the hard things. There'll be some rough bumps, all those things. Do you thank him anyway? Thank him for sticking in there. Do you let him be himself? Are you forever trying to change him? Next week, we'll talk about the differences, and that'll shed a little light on that. <coughs> but do you accept the way he dresses? Or are you always trying to fix him up? I bought Rosie the prettiest vest at Christmas. We were, we were away for our football game. And he wears vests, you know, like um, like little furry ones. Not furry, but like the felt kind of. Yeah, polo like a, so He wears them all the time. So then 
found this really pretty shirt and I bought him a vest that went with it and it's quilted, you know. But it's got these two little things on the back, you know, that kind of cinch it. Yeah, he says that's too fancy. Because <laughs> it's fitted. I was like, yeah, honey, but it looks so nice. So he's trying. He's trying to like it, but I don't think he really does. <laughs> I don't usually shop for him because he's very particular. It has to have this look. Be careful just to accept them the way they are. Do you accept that he has a need for intimacy that doesn't match yours? You know, here's how it goes. You know, in the beginning, he's way up here and she's maybe here. And then by the time you're older, <laughs> really older, he's lost some interest and she's really interested. So somewhere in the middle, you'll meet, hopefully. But that need for intimacy is very, very strong. And God tells us not to deny that of each other. Because often we're not in the same place. Make sure that you let him know that you love him. You love to be with him. You look forward to being with him. Plan for being with him. And do you protect his reputation? You know, when you need advice, when you need comfort, when you need to air something, don't go to your mom. Don't go to your sisters. Don't go to someone who won't forget and knows him well. Find a wise, I don't know about that, no one will. <laughs> but just go to someone that you can trust to be private, to not share, to not gossip. And they'll give you sound advice that lines up with God's word. Be for him. Does your guy think you're for him? That's a pretty loaded question when you think of it. Do you tolerate him or are you for him? Do you want him to succeed or do you want to change him? It's a big job becoming one, ladies, isn't it? Well, there's some things for you to think about. I've got some uh, very interactive kind of thinking uh, for second hour, just to kind of continue the conversation, help keep our hearts in mind. And don't just keep this in February, ladies. This is for all year round. Don't wait, you know, it's fun to have a little bump, <laughs> a little reason to celebrate February. But our guys need us all year round. They need us to support them, to be for them, to be their helpmate. Not their maid, not their doormat. That's all Satan's twist. That's all Satan's twist on you. God says, God says we are to be his helper, his helpmate. That is a place of honor. It's a place of protection for both of us. He needs the help and we need the protection. Let's close in prayer. Dearest Jesus, we thank you for this morning. I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to go home loving our husbands more and more each day. Lord, you have made this union. This is how your light, one of the ways your light shines in the world, the way that Christian couple loves each other in marriage. Lord, help us to put ourselves aside. Help us to put you first. In Jesus' name.